All right, everyone, welcome back to part two of this podcast with Dr. Darsh. Uh, I have fixed my audio. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdness of it all. Um, but yeah, we're going to jump right into it. And uh, I want to first ask, I'm sure many of you already know, Dr. Darsh, your Instagram is awesome. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an insight on how you got started? Is it in, in regards to my Instagram? Yeah. In, in regards to your Instagram, yep. Yeah, sure thing. So Oh, man, it's one of those like, do you put yourself out there? Like, how do you, how do you do this, right? And it was New Year's Eve of 2013, I want to say, or no, no, sorry, like 2017. I was a second year in med school, and I just, you know, threw out a live about resolutions. And I've always had a knack for trying to like motivate, inspire, or come up with like actionable tips and how to how to dissect and optimize. And so I went live, I did like a video in terms of like, hey, this is how you can keep your resolutions going into New Year's. And I had some positive feedback from it or from people who tuned in and be like, oh, wow, like, you know, you should keep making these videos and stuff. And so I just did. I was like, okay, like maybe I'll just start a presence. And I started just putting videos out there of like books I was reading, my thoughts and perspective, um, things about medicine in general, the things that I was doing, whether it came down to nutrition, sleep, exercise. And, you know, my initial social media handle was called Balcony Thoughts um, because I was really into philosophy. I was really into thinking. And there's a song by Mac Miller called Thoughts from a Balcony. And the whole premise of the song is like, he goes to the balcony and he just thinks about the universe. He thinks about life. And to me, like, I love having a balcony and going somewhere from indoors to outdoors, right? And when you're on the balcony during the daytime, you can look down at the life below you and you know you, there, there's that word saunter right which means understanding that everyone's living their own life of you know everyone's living a life of their own and so just having that perspective and being like man like what is that six-year-old white male doing right now what was he thinking man what is that five-year-old black girl thinking you know going down the street man what is that disabled person right and like putting context to people not just seeing them as people but these people with stories um and that's kind of like that's what happens in the daytime, right? And then you start thinking about the money and the success and the grind, like how can we formulate this? And then when nighttime comes and the stars come out, we look up to the stars, we look up to the universe, we look beyond, we become a little bit more spiritual. And we start to think like, huh, is any of this worth it? Like what happens when I die? Um, you start to become more ph philosophical in that sense, more existentialist in a way. And so the balcony became this two-way double-edged sword, right? Of kind of everyone trying to become healthier, smarter, wiser with more love, but also realizing that they want to do it while living an Epicurean life, which is like, you know, the fast food, just doing it, the quick fix. Um, and so I think all of us kind of have that struggle um, between the night and the day, the good and the bad. Um, and we're all just kind of just trying to live both sides. And I think we can, it's just really trying to figure out how to navigate that. Once I became a resident, officially got the DO um, after my name, changed it to Dr. Dot Darsh because I knew in the future when it came to branding and things, um, I wanted to be known as Dr. Darsh um, instead of Balcony Thoughts. So uh, kind of pivoted there, but still kept the perspective and the philosophy um, along with my social media. I got to say, I think that's the, I remember, I'll never forget this. The first time I feel like the first time we were in a room and I was, I was chatting with you, uh, you did get me thinking you, uh, you, <laughs> you brought a book you're reading, um, the comfort crisis. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you just kind of, you told me what it was about and you got me thinking about just how comfortable our lives are. I was hoping you could speak a little bit more about that as well. Um, but I will say the next day, I, I remember I was supposed to take an elevator somewhere, but I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to take the stairs. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, you're a two percenter, as uh, as the author Michael Easter would would call it. So, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can touch on the comfort crisis, like you just mentioned. So it's a great book by Michael Easter. It's pretty new. It came out this year in uh, 2022. And he's actually going to be joining our, my, my podcast in, in the spring, which is going to be awesome. Uh, but essentially, yeah, it's about embracing discomfort, right? And us as a human collective species, we become weaker, right? Mentally, physically, we just become softer. We don't, the cold bothers us, the heat bothers us, going hungry for two days bothers us. Uh, if we don't get enough sleep, it bothers us and it affects us. And that struggle, which I'm not saying we always need to struggle, but the discomfort, right? That word discomfort, we need to embrace. We need to get into more. We need to tap into that. Not because, I mean, obviously there's health benefits and things, but I think honestly, it's more the mental aspect. It's, it's more of understanding who your true self is and understanding that the current world we're living in with technology and the ease is not really helping us, right? Like just social media in itself, right? So I, I just did a recent post on this. If you're bored or lonely, great, you can, you can open up your phone. If you're hungry, you can just open up the fridge. If you're super cold in your home, you can just turn up the heat. Um, you know, we always have hacks now. Um, but the one hack we're forgetting is that in order to truly live comfortable, you have to seek discomfort. So going on a longer run, being in the cold, doing cold shower, going into the sauna, doing a fast, um, and just getting more into our primordial kind of primitive ways a little bit, just to realize how far we've come as a species. Um, so the book's really good. It goes through a lot of data, a lot of science, and it kind of timelines Michael Easter's uh, journey in the Arctic um, on, on a hunting trip. And so a lot of these uh, virtues, I'll call them, he talks about. That's awesome. Yeah. You definitely got me thinking, uh, that was, I, I'm pretty sure that was like either our first or second conversation. So that yeah. was pretty cool. um, <laughs> and then we started talking about biology and digital health and yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> All that, that um, you, yeah, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned a little bit about fasting. Um, I think that's kind of a topic that I've always sort of been interested in. I don't really, um, I haven't really diligently tried it. Um, what are your experiences? What have your experiences been, uh, with trying that type of dieting? Yeah, so I first, so I've always known about fasting, right? Just being Indian, it's been part of our heritage or culture or religion. And so my parents would always fast growing up. Maybe it was like after sunset or just a day. And actually in my religion, Jainism, we have something called Purushan, which is an eight day. It's almost like Ramadan, but it's for eight days. Um, and it's kind of the opposite timing. So you try not to eat during the day. Um, and, you know, you can either fast for eight days straight, you do a two day, you only eat once a day, whatever it is you want to make it. And so my parents would do that. And growing up, you know, we'd always learn, wow, fasting is terrible for you. You should not be fasting. This is not good for you. You want to eat consistent meals throughout the day. And then I read a book called Alpha Male 2.0 or Alpha Man 2.0. And it was about the science of fasting. And it went into ghrelin and leptin and endorphins and, you know, uh, growth hormone. And it kind of just explained why breakfast may not be the most important meal. And it started getting into insulin. And so I tried it and I was doing it. I was fasting and I did see some of the benefits. And Honestly, it was more the mental benefits, which I'll touch on. Um, but then the data started coming out, the research started coming out, and I stopped fasting, and I realized, hey, I was actually gaining more muscle. And I realized my biggest weakness was I wasn't getting enough protein. I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat meat ever. And because of that, I have to find protein from other sources, but I was never truly focusing on it. And that's when I realized, man, when I stop fasting and I focus on protein, I, I get the gains with like five Z's at the end. Like <laughs> I was, I was bunking up. I was doing good. I was, you know, it was easier for me to cut. It was easier to do all these things. Then I started realizing, wait, let me use fasting as a therapeutic way of doing things. So if I wanted to cut and I wanted to lose weight, I would start fasting. Or I would do an intermittent fast. And then I'd maybe do a one or two day fast during the week. 
now, so what the research has shown, right, with intermittent fasting, we all used to think, oh, it's weight loss, it makes you more insulin sensitive, and all this stuff, which may be true, probably it does make you more insulin sensitive, but it doesn't prove any better than just caloric restriction in regards to weight loss. So if you're just trying to lose weight, what intermittent fasting does is it reduces your calories. So you can still have two meals that are 1,000 calories each or 1,500 each and not lose weight. So it, it really just helps you with portion control. What I like fasting for, what I tell people for is one, it can help with caloric restriction throughout the week. So if you know like, hey, you like to have a cheat day or you know you're gonna have one meal that will put you off balance, that one day of 24 hour fasting or 36 hour fasting can offset that. The other aspect is the mental benefits. It, like I just mentioned in the comfort crisis, right? It gets you back to how we used to live. We weren't 24 seven with food. It makes you struggle. You go through the discomfort. You know that I have food right there in my fridge and I can easily get that, but how mentally strong can I be right now, right? And that, that, that mindset taps into different things moving forward, right? It helps you with the workout, helps you with your work. Um, it just helps you with so many different things when you struggle. So I like it because I find myself, my, my meditations are better with it. I become a little bit more spiritual with it. Um, and that's the way I kind of use it now. So yes, I'll do it once a week, a 24 hour, um, which will help me balance out calories, but it's mainly the mental aspect. See, I love that. I love that there's you, you portray, you know, a, a great balance with health and medicine, your, your field, your profession. Um, what advice would you give listeners, med students, um, on how to find that balance? Yeah. So, man, I will say I was kind of known for this. This is what my social media was also known for during medical school because I, I enjoyed medical school through and through. Like I had a really good time. And what I've learned was you have to put yourself first, no matter what it is, when it comes to work, when it comes to residency, when it comes to medical school, if you're going down this path, you have to put yourself first. First. And what I mean by that is when you get up, you don't plan your day around the work. You don't plan your day around what needs to get done from something that you don't have control over, right? Like where you don't have that full autonomy over. What you have full autonomy over is what goes in your mouth, how much you're going to work out, when you're going to sleep, how your relationships are, everything outside of that, right? Outside of just the, the quote unquote work. So when I was in medical school, we had mandatory classes. I'm sure you did too, right? Most osteopathic uh, schools do. So it kind of sucked. But after that, I would never just study. You know, a lot of people would say, okay, I need to study. I need to focus. This is what I need to do because it's medical school. I would say, nope, I'm going to meal prep. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work on whatever I need to social media wise. I'm going to do all these things. And then once I'm done that and I filled my own cup, I'm going to get to studying because I already knew in the back of my mind, as we all do, if you don't study, you're not going to be in medical school, right? So it wasn't like I was going to let myself get to that point. But what happens is that if you flip it and you make work the priority always and you make it the first thing you do, when do you stop? Because that mindset's always going to be there. Then you're going to be too tired to say, or you're not going to know when to say, okay, I'm done. Let me go work out now. Let me go do this now. Let me go do that now. So I always tell people, you have to put yourself first, do the things that you love. And then I guarantee you, you're going to find the time to study and you're going to be more efficient with it. It's Parkinson's law, right? What you can do in three hours, if you give yourself an hour, you're still going to get the same stuff done. So actually shortening that time um, will actually make you more efficient. And it gave you time to do balcony thoughts. Though. That too, exactly. <laughs> uh, and um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your own podcast. You, you uh, do a podcast yourself called uh, Medicine Redef uh, Redefined. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how that started and, and uh, when, when about that started? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're two years in now. So it's me and my co-host, um, Dr. Altmash Raja, who is a sports medicine physician, PMR trained through Hopkins. Um, he's over at Rowan in New Jersey right now doing sports med. So he actually, we met during the, my interview trail. Um, so he's an attending now. So he was two years above me, but we had very similar passions in regards to lifestyle medicine, um, fixing healthcare in a way, in terms of understanding that we need to get more precise. We need to start talking and having conversations about you know, supplementation, diet, nutrition, all these things. And so we put our heads together and we said, hey, why don't we bring experts from these fields and start talking about it? And so we wanted a top bottom approach, but also a bottom top approach. And so what I mean by that is we kind of have three tiers of listeners. Um, and, the, and so, so the, first, the, the first tier that we try to approach is how do we change healthcare as a whole? As you know, you know, as you go through medical school and then once you get to residency, you're going to see so many failures within the system. Insurance companies, billing, the coding. There's just so many things that us doctors are like, why are we doing this? You know, um, so we try to understand how do we put the health back in healthcare? Because I truly believe right now we're living in a sick care model. There's primary prevention is not the, our top priority, right? We're paying surgeons. We're paying other people in the back end to do more work. And so that's where people are going to gravitate towards. So how do we flip that? How do we fix that? How do we start to make it more efficient? How do we get more patient-centered care? The second tiered approach is how do we teach providers new age thinking? What are GI doctors doing in the lifestyle medicine space? How does are, are you ready to you know, hop in with integrative medicine? How do we think about functional medicine? How do we understand cardiology labs, right? Things like APOB, LP little a, which most people listening to this podcast are like, wait, I never learned that in medical school. Yeah, because you know it's something in the US that we're not doing, where in Europe they are, right? Which are actually showing better, it's, it's shown us more um, correlation with kind of our heart uh, risk. So bringing these conversations up so that providers can be like, okay, this is how I'm going to start approaching my patients. And then lastly, patients being our listeners. So how do we individualize healthcare to make it more precise, right? How do we make it that N equals one um, and it's individualized and there's more precision behind it. So how do you approach sleep better? How do you approach your diet better? Nutrition, right? Exercise. Uh, how does it make sense to lose weight for you? How does it make sense to gain muscle? Um, so we talk about all these different things in our podcast um, and then lastly, we try to bust some uh, myths, right? With the advent of social media, you're always going to see two sides of things. And some people go a little too crazy um, and start talking nonsense about medicine. And so we try to step in sometimes. We'll, we'll pull some clips or videos and we'll say, hey, let's let's talk about this. Let's actually go through the data. And you know, we, we call it the progress note. So we'll do a subjective, which is mine and Altmash's opinion. We'll go through the objective data and what, what we found. We'll give our assessments as to what it means. And then the plan, which is how do we take this and how do we make it a part of our lives? How do we enact whatever it is? How do we change? Um, so yeah, the podcast is called Medicine Redefined because honestly, I think all three of those tiers need to be re redefined. Um, and so that's how we're doing it. And that's awesome. You met you met on the uh, interview trail, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. So I one of his co-residents, um, I met at a conference and then I guess they were on the plane back together and he was like, hey, I think you'd like this guy. And it was, it was my profile, my Instagram, because I was talking a lot about what I just mentioned. And yeah, then he was like, hey, man, can I have your number? Because I'm sure <clears throat> our our paths are going to meet in the future. And so when someone says that to me, I'm like, yeah, OK. I'm, you know, when somebody says that, I'm like, OK, this guy's taking an interest in me. I should probably take an interest in him. Um, and so, yeah, he hit me up a short time after and uh, we started two years ago. <laughs> and that would not have happened if it, everything was virtual. Right. Exactly. It probably would not have happened. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, so you know, you're 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 big on the social media platform. Uh, how many social medias do you have? How many? Um, yeah. So currently, I mean, I have them all. I have like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn. I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn somewhat too, especially with the podcast. And then TikTok pretty much post uh, the medicine redefined videos. I'll do some videos here and there, but it's not really my thing. It's just too quick. And I'm just not trying to fall into that trap of like needing something so quick all the time, uh, which is why I like Instagram because you can actually sit with a picture or sit with the real, digest it, understand it. Um, and then I do like Twitter too uh, for academic purposes, but I also just like to write threads on perspectives and growth and lifestyle. So it's an easy way for people to kind of just read a, read a short novel, short book, but in, in tweet form in a way. No, I, yeah, absolutely love that. And um, all of that will be linked below so everyone can check that out. And please uh, give a follow because if you're already not, you're missing out. <laughs> Appreciate kind of, it. Kind of segue that I wanted to ask, what are some advice you'd give for any future medical students out there who want to, uh, you know, kind of develop their social media personalities? You just have to, you have to be comfortable with getting out there. You have to be comfortable with just doing it. You're going to look at yourself the first four or five times and be like, wait, I really sound like that. Or wait, I have that mold like above my eyebrow or wait, I look like that. And yeah, you do. That's, that's going to happen. And guess what? Nobody cares because everyone's so focused on themselves. So you just have to do it. You have to keep putting the content out there until you get comfortable with it um, and just start. You don't need fancy equipment. When I started the podcast, I didn't have a microphone. I was just wearing headphones. I didn't have an adapter. I didn't really have lights. Um, but once you get to a stage of, okay, now I can improve. Now I can improve. You start to build things. Um, and you know, so many people are focused on niches and building and growing. And it's important to understand, like, if you want to build the social media, how is it going to fit into your lifestyle, right? Is it going to be the moneymaker? Is it going to be the thing that's going to, um, take a majority of your time and is it worth it, right? Like I already know for me as a physician, the social media is not going to bring in money for me. It's, it's something that can enhance the podcast, which then can bring in money, which can then do something else, right? So you have to figure out how does this fit? Do you need to go into a niche market, um, a niche audience, or are you okay with kind of just spewing out whatever you feel like? And I'm in that camp. I kind of just talk about whatever. I don't really care who follows me um, because I want to stay true to myself. And for people who really want to understand this balance between like playing the game and trying to get followers versus being true to yourself. There's a really good podcast episode out there um, on the Colin and Samir show with Hassan Minhaj, the um, the funny guy who made fun of Dio's, but it's fine because he's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's an amazing podcast where Hassan actually talks about, you know, teeter-tottering on that line. Like how do you play the game versus being your authentic self? So there's a lot to learn from that episode if anyone's interested. That's good to hear. And it's humble beginnings. You, know, you didn't, you didn't have a mic. Hopefully you didn't have a crappy AirPods. <laughs> That's right. Um, so another, another highlight I would say for my, for my month, uh, being able to uh, rotate at Hershey, um, I was, I was sitting in a didactic lecture and during the break, uh, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, you know, dress, 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 how a, how a busy student should dress. And then yeah. you, you and a few of the other residents start talking about shoes and, I'm sitting there in dress yeah. shoes, and, and you guys kind of start working on shoes. And can you can you share a little bit more about your advice? Yeah, man, it's, it's a hot topic. It's a hot topic you brought up that uh, I try to bring up with patients, and a lot of the attendees just shut me down. Um, no, it's it's about barefoot shoes, right? So, I have made the transition from wearing sneakers, um, which I was wearing like New Balance. I was wearing Lane Eights. You know, I've been a runner. I've been a track runner growing up. My toes have always been my third and fourth, kind of like my third goes under my fourth, right? I have very, I love tight shoes. 
um, because I felt more stable with them. Also played tennis, which it helps to have tight shoes. But I realized moving forward, being on social media, seeing all these people talk about barefoot shoes and having a wide toe box and your feet, your, your toes should be like your fingers. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to see what it's like to have barefoot shoes. So I got shoes from a company called Zero, and I don't have any affiliation with them. Um, and I started wearing them. And I was like, oh, wow, I can like feel the ground, right? Or I can wiggle my toes. And so for listeners, what barefoot shoes are and what they do, right? It's kind of uh, three different things. So the first is that you, you feel the sensation, you feel the ground, right? It's a very soft cushion on the bottom of your foot. So you're actually getting more sensation from your feet. Whereas if you're just wearing a shoe, you're just, it's padded, right? You're not really feeling the ground. So if I go and walk on rocks, I will feel the rocks. I will feel those contours. I will feel all that. The second thing is that there's a heel toe, there's no heel toe drop. So the heel and the ball of the foot are the same level. It's flat. So people are like, wait, what? There's no like arch support. Nope. There's no arch support. Your foot is your foot. And that's how it is. And the third thing is that a lot of these shoe companies will have an open toe box. So that allows you to spread your toes out. It allows you to wiggle your toes. Um, it allows you to just be more comfortable. So I've been doing this now for about six, seven months. And I've herniated my disc in the past. I herniated my L5S1 when I was 18. Um, and I've always had back pain. I've always, even when I tighten back up there, it's like, oh, that, that hurts a little bit. I've noticed my back pain significantly go down significantly um, just every day, just by wearing these every day. So I'll actually run with them, right? And so I can take this in different directions. So let me explain why, why somebody would wear these shoes, right? So the modern day thought is that we need to go back to kind of how our ancestors used to do it, right? Walk barefoot. Our feet have so many points of sensation, so many, right? I mean, this more than anywhere in our body, like our feet are made that way, right? Because as bipedal species, we need to feel sensation. If we're running away from a lion or we're trying to hunt, we need to understand what it feels like to run on stones, run on gravel, run on rock, run on grass, if it's soft, if it's hard. You take away that sensation with sneakers. Barefoot shoes give you that back. The other thought is that you can now run on your forefeet, right? Which is essentially the way we've always been trained to run, except I'll use this, you know, quote unquote brainwashed is that we have been brainwashed that we need sneakers. And so what we do is we technically now run heel toe striking, heel toe striking, heel toe striking, which is what you're supposed to do if you have sneakers. You should not actually uh, forefoot run on sneakers. They can actually give you more injuries. But when you have barefoot shoes, you now are more agile. You now are kind of hopping. And that allows you for longer distance, longer endurance, which is what our species has always been great at doing, right? So there's no other animal like in the, in the kingdom that can have the endurance that we do in terms of running, right? So when we knew how to hunt, we wouldn't sprint and then go hunt. We would, we would uh, tire out that animal. We would let them run and run and run, but we knew we'd always catch up. And so barefoot shoes allow that because they allow you the proper mechanics uh, and gait. Um, so now we tie it all together in terms of how is a shoe like an orthotic, right? So you take your ankle foot orthotic it's pretty much a way to stabilize the foot, right? And there's different ways you can do that and you can get a hinge and you know you get plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, all these different things. But essentially your sneaker works the same way. It's for stabilization and maybe arch support. So there needs to be a lot more research into this. And I think it's slowly coming as far as are we actually hindering children by putting sneakers and putting orthotics or should we allow them to be flat footed and develop those arches on their own? But the way I use the analogy is imagine wearing gloves on your hands, not mittens, but gloves. 
right? So now what would happen, Tony, if you're wearing gloves? How much would your fingers move? Not much, right? So what happens if your fingers don't move? What would happen to your wrist and forearm? The tendons probably shorten, your muscles also become fibrotic and tight, um, and you just don't get good function. So, okay, now let's say I'm, I'm trying to pick up a four, you know, I'm trying to live my life, trying to grab things. Well, if my forearms don't really work, I'm now going to compensate and use my elbows, right? So now I'm using my elbows, use my biceps, and over time, I'm going to get overuse injury. And so you can see already, there's an upstream effect of what happens when I wear gloves. You know, the wrist, the forearm, the elbows, the shoulder goes all the way up to the neck. Now, if you take the same thing for the shoe, you're doing the same thing. You're not able to wiggle your toes. You're not able to get the proprioception, the sensation that your feet need. And so your calves become tight. Your Achilles tendon becomes out of whack. That can cause knee problems. That can cause quadricep hamstring issues, which eventually leads to back pain, which is what we see almost every patient for, right? We always see back pain. And a lot of times we, we, we label it as nonspecific back pain. Um, but I think you'd see a lot of these imbalances go away just like it did for me, if you put people in barefoot shoes, if you allow proper alignment, if you allow their toes to straighten, if you allow their feet to hypertrophy, if you allow them to get sensation, because what we do is we compensate. When we don't get to get good sensation of the ground, we start to compensate with our muscles and our quads and our hamstrings and then our back. Um, and you know, there's a whole posterior chain from the head to the toe. It's all connected at fascia. So it makes sense that there would be an upstream effect. Now I understand our fingers have way different purpose than our toes do, right? They don't, they don't work the same, but it's pretty impressive. If you look at like hunter gatherers and kind of what they can do with their toes, they have so much maneuverability in it. They have so much flexibility that it's almost like fingers that they're able to spread them apart. They're able to use them, you know, one toe at a time. Um, obviously with our fingers, we have opposable thumbs, which make us different. Um, but it's pretty impressive what you can do with your toes and, and how, like, how much better your legs become and then your back becomes. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to see the differences. So it's tough for me to go back to regular sneakers. When it comes to dress shoes, I wear dress shoes. Um, cause the issue is with barefoot shoes, they're not as stylish yet. I'm just waiting for them to become like Nikes, you know, or, or nice dress shoes that look good. Um, that's, that's, it's getting there, but that's the issue. But overall, I mean, it's a fascinating topic. Um, more and more people are becoming aware about it. I'm hoping even more do, especially in the PM&R world. I mean, this is our bread and butter, MSK, back pain, uh, gait mechanics, all this stuff, orthotics. So I'm just, I'm hoping more PM&R um, docs, residents, students look more into it. There's actually a good paper called Born to Run by Daniel Lieberman, who's an anthrop anthropologist. And he actually talks about being barefoot. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited to see kind of what the research shows and hoping to bring on some, some barefoot experts onto the podcast. So. You have some uh, co-residents who I feel like will fall into that corner. So that hopefully, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another question I wanted to ask is what has been uh, the most rewarding part of your social media journey? And the networking, man, it's been, it's been meeting so many cool people, you know, meeting different doctors from different fields, um, meeting people who are just doing amazing things, you know, like, you know, MD motivator, Zach Darnowski, um, you know, he started going into uh, into medical school. He was initially interested in PM&R. We had a good conversation and now he's got 2 million followers and changing the world, you know, with mental health and doing a lot of kind things. Um, so there's people like that, that you just see like truly exceed that, 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 you know. Um, so that's been really cool. Just the followers too, you know, when, when they, they come to you and they ask for help on a personal statement or something, you know, and you do it and then they're like, Hey, I got into medical school. It's like, 
awesome. You know, like for me, it's just creating that value and trying to help people um, try to become the best version of themselves, you know, and, and my tagline on social media is trying to help you become healthier, happier, and smarter while having a good time. Cause you know, I think we all want both. So that's what, that's honestly what I try to promote. Absolutely. And uh, it looks like we're running a little bit short on time. Uh, I do want to ask, do you have any future yeah. projects? <laughs> do not have any at this moment. I think I have enough on my plate right now. So we'll see what happens. Just trying to develop the podcast, mess and redefine, try to develop the social medias. Um, and then we'll see, we'll see after that, what happens uh, once I graduate. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, we're going to post all of your all of your uh, social links down below. And everyone, uh, please give Dr. Darsh a follow. Uh, no longer Balcony Thoughts now has moved on yeah, to... Yeah. You know what? Actually, so speaking about a project, I might come out with a Balcony Thoughts podcast, just a solo short like clips of me just speaking my thoughts and, and perspective about current events. So that, that might be in the works. We'll see. That's awesome. We'll be on the lookout for that for sure. <laughs> Uh, before we conclude, any last uh, last piece of advice you'd like to give our listeners or any students, uh, again, interested in the webinar? Yeah, no, honestly, it, it kind of, if I could sum up everything I've talked about, it's, it's create value, try to find value, and create a spider web in your mind, right? Learn different things, go out and read, go out and find information, and learn how they all connect, because that's how you really get ahead. That's how you can become an expert in your field. That's how you can become relatable to other people. Um, and that's how you also build confidence and competence, right? So I think building a spider web is, 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 is a great way to go about it and just seeing how the world connects. And I think it'll make, it'll make you a better physician or, or whoever listening a better physician. Absolutely. Uh, well, again, Dr. Darsh, thank you so much for, for everything that you've, you've done for us tonight. Thank you for all the, all the, uh, all the wisdom. Uh, we'll be sure to, we'll be sure to uh, listen diligently to what you have to say. Uh, and again, we'll link all your social platforms uh, down below and as well as your TED Talk and your podcast as well. So I uh, just want to say good. thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you got it, Tony. Hey, it's been awesome having you for the month too. Um, you're, you're, you're awesome, man. You've been doing well too. So uh, awesome getting to know you and talking to you too. So uh, beyond just this rotation, it's, it's awesome to network with you and, and have a friend. So thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.